Thank you, guys. Today is part two in our series called Pray First. It's a six-week series that we're doing on prayer. We're building up to the last three uh, weeks of this series where we're going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church family. And uh, we picked as a key verse today 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Let's read that, to, that together out loud. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. How many of you along with me would confess today that you do not rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances? Anybody else? Now? Put them up high, own your sin, I'll put up both my hands. Okay? Yeah, I mean, I admit it, I confess uh, I fall short in this area of prayer. That's one of the reasons why we're doing this series, why we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting, because it's part of your pastor's prayer recovery program, okay? So this is more about my spiritual health probably than it is, than it is yours. But I just want you to know that concludes the guilt portion of this series on prayer. And we've all admitted we don't do enough. We've confessed it to God. God has forgiven us. Now we're going to move forward and we're going to do better. Not because we're motivated by guilt or our failure in the past, but because we're going to move into and discover the joy and delight that comes to you and comes to God when you pray. That's our goal. The past is gone. A new day is done. We're going to move forward. In fact, our rally cry is going to become, pray first. Say that with me out loud. Pray first. Oh, that was good. You guys are on today. This is great. But that rally cry just tells you simply practically how to address every area of your life. You pray first. I mean, what would it look like if you woke up every morning and, and the first words out of your mouth were, good morning, Lord, I dedicate this day to you, and you pray first? What would it look like if at night, before you go to sleep, it's at the end of the day, but it's at the start of the night, before you go to sleep, you pray first. Say, God, thank you for the day, thank you for the night, for the opportunity to rest and sleep Renew my body. Thank you for that. What if before you eat, you pray first, God, thank you for providing uh, this food for me. What if before you go into that meeting at work, before you go into the meeting, you pray first, God, give me wisdom. I need to make good decisions. What if before you made that phone call, you pray first, God, guard, guard my mouth, Guard my tongue. Give me words of grace to speak as I talk to this person. What if before you sent that email or made that Facebook post, what if you were to pray first? What if before your kids go off to school, you just say, Father, make my kid a leader, not a follower today. And you pray first. What if we realize that prayer should be our first response, not our last resort? Thessalonians says to pray continually. How do I do that? Do I spend all day on my knees? No. I just build prayer into my life. I pray first before everything I do. Why? Because this is God's will for your life. What's God's will for my life? God's will is that you pray first. That you make prayer your first response, not your last resort. I feel an obligation as, as your pastor to, to just speak into your life for a moment and just tell you what's really going on. To just, just look you in the eye and tell you our world is a mess. Folks, we are in peril. We are in perilous days. 
there has been such a moral decline, it is mind-boggling. Our culture is not on a slippery slope. We've just stepped off a cliff. We're plummeting. The outright abandonment of God's will, God's word, God's ways, mocking God, attacking and destroying God's institutions of marriage and family and the church, Planned Parenthood selling the body parts of aborted babies. We're given Iran nuclear weapons and, and billions and billions of dollars. We're on the verge of a financial collapse that, that, that's going to destroy us with our debt. I'm telling you, something's up. And I think what's up is time. Time is up. So what are we going to do? What do we do in these chaotic crazy situations that we find ourselves in. Second Chronicles 7, God tells us what to do. He says, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. Listen, there, there are more kinds of drought than just the drought with no rain. We're experiencing a spiritual drought in our nation right now. Even within many of our churches, many of our churches are dead and, and dry. Churches are going, they're chasing the world's agenda, not God's will. They're not following God's word. We're in a spiritual drought. There could be other kinds of devourers besides locusts. Debt can devour your resources more effectively than, than drought or locusts. And even Christians are under a load of debt. Our national debt is going to devour us. There could be all kinds of plagues upon a land. Immorality, pornography, divorce, drug abuse. Those are a plague on our land. And even Christians are plagued with those sins. What do you do when those things happen? God says, if, if, he's not even sure it'll happen, if my people who are called by my name. That's a call to prayer to believers. Not to unbelievers, it's to you and me, believers. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then... Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I want you to know that you and I have a role to play in what's going on in our society today. And our role is to pray first. Pray first. So today, I, I want to teach you how to pray. Because you may be thinking, you know, I know I need to do it. And we all know we need to do it, but it's hard. It's hard to do it. And some of us don't even know how to do it. A group of sailors were shipwrecked in, in, at sea and stranded in a lifeboat. And their situation became so desperate that they decided their only hope was to pray. But none of them knew how. And finally, one of the sailors said, you know, I, I grew up next to a church and, and I heard what was going on over there. And so I, I think I might know how to pray. And so they all bowed their head and closed their eyes. And the shipwrecked sailor said, B9, I16... N-22. If you didn't get that, you can ask your neighbor. It's okay. So I want to take a few minutes today and teach you how to pray. And this is a prayer that we use in our discipleship process here at Rockbrook. This is, this is material that we, we're going to use in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. The Bible says in Luke 11, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished... One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. 
Now keep in mind that the disciples had grown up in the Jewish faith and the Jewish culture, and in that culture, you were taught from a young child all the way through adulthood, you were, you were taught to memorize prayers for special occasions and just for daily routines throughout the day. They had prayers that they recited uh, just all the time throughout the day. And yet, they still said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And so they weren't asking, Jesus, teach us how to pray. They were saying, Jesus, teach us how to pray like that. Teach us how to pray like you just prayed. Because he wasn't praying like they prayed. There was something different going on when Jesus prayed. And so Jesus taught them what we call today the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes we call it the Our Father. And sadly... We have taken the Lord's Prayer and we have drained the passion out of it. And we've turned it into a memorized, recited prayer, just like the kind of prayers that the disciples used to pray. But that was never Jesus' intent for this prayer. He never intended for us to recite this prayer over and over. In fact, when he taught it to the disciples, he said, don't pray this prayer over and over like the heathen do. Instead, when Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer, he was giving them a list of topics to pray about. He wasn't teaching them a prayer to pray. He was teaching them a way to pray. And if you want to unleash the power of prayer, you don't recite this prayer. You use it as a topical outline to guide your prayers. And when Jesus started, he started out saying, pray our Father in heaven. And there's a comma. And then he moves on to the next topic. Hallowed be your name. He prayed about that for a while. Then he moved on to your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he moves on to physical needs. Give us today our daily bread. And then he moves into relationships and says, For, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. I mean, did Jesus have to pray about relationships and forgiveness? On the cross he did. He prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Then he goes into some spiritual warfare kind of stuff. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then he turns the focus back onto God and his power and glory. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So today I want to just walk you through this prayer outline and, and, and show you how we're going to use this prayer as we move into our, our 21 days of fasting and prayer. So take out your outline. Let me walk you through this. First thing you need to do when, when you pray is you need to connect with God relationally. You connect with God relationally. Our Father in heaven. Jesus told the disciples, God likes it when we recognize him as our Father. Do you know not everyone can call God Father? God is not the Father of every person. God is the creator of every person. God is the God of every person. But God is not the Father of every person. God is the Father only of those who've trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The Bible says very clearly that as many, so anybody can, as many as believe on Jesus, to them God gives the power to become the children of God. Not everyone can call God Father, but if you've trusted in Christ, you can connect in a father-child relationship with God, and that's where you start when you pray. Why? Because Romans 8.15, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Circle that phrase, when he adopted you. He adopted you as his own child. Parents, do you remember how, how cool it was when your little kids would just climb up in on your lap and just kind of settle in? 
Your grandparents, isn't it just cool when, when your grandkids just pile up in your lap and, and just settle in? That's the kind of relationship, that's the kind of connection God wants to have with you. God doesn't want you to connect with him out of duty or obligation or fear like a slave. God wants you to connect with him like the adopted child that you are. First thing you've got to settle as you come to God in prayer is do you know him and does he know you as a father knows his child? You've got to settle that issue. And then Jesus, number two, he says worship his name, hallowed be your name. Why do we worship the name of God? Because the name of God has power. The name of God has value, worth, importance, weight. The name of God is to be honored. It's not to be taken in vain. It's not to be treated lightly. You honor God's name. You worship God's name. Because God's name is a place of protection. The righteous can run there and be safe. Do you know the Bible has a lot of names for God? Just a lot of names uh, uh, for God. And I'm going to give you some, and I want you just to write them down. And, and most of these, you know, there are Hebrew terms for them, uh, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sidkenu. And uh, I'm not going to give them to you in the Hebrew because God understands English. <laughs> and uh, so we're just going to, you know, skip the middleman, jump right into uh, in the English. And there's, I'm sorry there's no very little room on your outline there to write them down, but just cram them in somewhere, the, these eight names for God. Righteousness, sanctifier. You just, you just worship God. God, you are the one who purifies me from sin. I can't do it in my own strength, but through my faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, through the power and presence of your Spirit, I can be righteous and sanctified. Healer is a name of God. God, whatever physical infirmities or struggles I have, you are my healer. I look to you as my creator, my sustainer, my source of health. I live under God's banner of victory. I don't have to live a life of defeat I, I can live a victorious life. I can face the attacks of the enemy as a victor because I'm under God's banner of victory. God, you are my shepherd. God, today you are going to speak to me like a shepherd speaks to his sheep and I'm going to hear and recognize your voice. God, you, your name is peace. Well, all this world is chaotic and crazy. I'm going to find my peace in the Prince of Peace, the peace of Christ that passes all human understanding. God, you are my provider. Everything I have, everything I need, everything I want, I can find in you. Because you're my provider. One of God's names, I think this is just so, so cool. One of God's name is, names is there. There. Why? Because God is there. Psalm 139 says, you ascend to the highest heaven, you descend to the depths of seas. God is there. You worship the names of God. And then God really likes it when, number three, you pray His agenda first. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice it uses one word twice, the word your. So before you pray your agenda, you need to pray your agenda. One of the big problems we have when we pray is, is we just come in and we just you know, start praying about everything that's wrong in our life. God doesn't want to be dumped on like he's not aware of what's happening in our life. Like he doesn't know what's going on in your life. In, in every relationship, here's a life tip. In every relationship that matters to you, focus on the other person's agenda first. Focus on the other person's agenda first and see what that does to your life. 
God has a prayer list. God has an agenda, and he wants us to pray it. So what's on God's prayer list? Because God so loves the world. God loves the lost. God loves the least of these. God wants you to pray that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is done perfectly in heaven. God's will is not always done on earth. That's why he has us pray this. God's will is always done here. Then why would he want us to pray this? But his will is not always done. All this evil junk that's going on, that's not God's will. God's will is that people come to faith in Jesus Christ. God's will is that people break free from their sin. God's will is that people live lives of freedom and righteousness. And so God calls you and me to pray that God's will will be done. So I focus on God's agenda first. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This one's not on your notes, just on the screen here, Luke 12, 31. He will always give you all you need from day to day if if you will make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So not only do we pray first, we pray God's agenda first. So we pray. We we pray for President Obama. We pray for Congress. We pray for the Supreme Court. We pray for our governor. We pray for our state legislature. We pray for our city councils. We pray for our school board, superintendents, principals. We pray for our police. We pray for our fire departments. We pray that God's will, God's agenda will be done. If my people who are called by my name will pray. And then you pray for your church family. You pray for your small group. You pray for others, 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 others. You seek God's kingdom first. God's will for the world. Once you've done that, number four, you depend on him for everything. Give us this day our daily bread. God loves it when we express our dependence on him for everything, every day. God loves it when we acknowledge that all our needs are met in him. Psalm 121, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. What's it mean I look up to the mountains? Well, the, the mountains is where the seat of government was. The, mountain, the, the seat of government was on Mount Zion. The human rulers were on the mountains. So do I look up to Capitol Hill for my help? No. No. Does my help come from there? No. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I look past the mountains. I look to heaven. I look past creation. I look to the Creator. Though the mountains may crumble and the seas may roar, I look to the Lord for my help. I cannot live one day without God sustaining me and meeting my needs. Give us this day, our daily bread. It doesn't say give me enough bread for the week or the month or the year. Daily. God, I'm looking to you to meet my needs. Because you're my provider. You know what that does to a father's heart? Then Jesus says you need to pray about, number five, you need to get your heart right with God and people. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. What does it mean to get your heart right with God? I just encourage you to pray. Don't let me become desensitized to sin. God, don't let me become complacent with my sin. Don't let me become comfortable in my sin. Don't let me think my sin doesn't matter. No. God, search my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. And whatever you find, poke me, nudge me, rebuke me, correct me, reveal my sin to me. Why? Because if we confess our sin, 
Not if we're comfortable in our sin, if we confess our sin. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And I don't just do that between me and God, I also do it between others and me. I say, God, I, I want to forgive the people in my life who've hurt me. God, I, I, I want to forgive. I don't want to hold it against them. I, I want to forgive them because I need them to forgive me. And when you burn the bridge of forgiveness, you're burning the bridge you need to walk across to get into heaven. Unforgiveness, bitterness can have a stronghold on a life. They can become a spiritual stronghold in a life. And you break that stronghold through forgiveness. It's not a matter of, of, did they really hurt you? It's not a matter of, were they really wrong? Forgiveness isn't saying it didn't hurt. Forgiveness isn't saying that what they did was okay. Forgiveness isn't saying they shouldn't be judged for what they did. Forgiveness is just saying, I'm not going to be the one that judges them. Forgiveness is just saying, God, I just, I just released them to you. you. You take care of it. I release the hurt, and it breaks the bond of bitterness in your life. And then Jesus calls us to engage in spiritual warfare. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Keep me out of temptation. Deliver me from the devil. Folks, you need to realize that, that Satan has you on his agenda every day. Every day, Satan desires to devour you, to destroy you. Now, that's, those are his names. He's the devourer. He's the destroyer. And you need to remember, every day, Satan hates your guts. And he's working harder to destroy you than many of you are working harder to prevent it. If you're not fighting the devil every day, you're not working harder than he is because he's working on it every day. Every day he shows up. Is this the day? Every day you need to engage in spiritual warfare. Oh, Kelly, that just sounds kind of creepy. It kind of sounds like a horror flick or a sci-fi movie. Is that, is that really real? Look at Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We're not struggling against people. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's why I take my stand against the devil every day. I need to pray the devil won't have any influence in my life. I just pray, God, free, free me from my addictions. Free me from immorality, from the attacks on my marriage. God, build a hedge of protection around my kids. Nehemiah 4 says, fight for your families. I need, to, I need to step up to the plate. I don't need to be afraid of the devil. I just need to work harder than he does. I need to get before God and get my armor on every day so I can protect myself and protect my family. And then Jesus ends where he begins. He goes right back to God. He says, God, none of this is going to happen because I prayed today. None of this depends on me, God. It, it's, all, it's all about you. I'm unleashing your power through my faith in your ability. That's number seven. You express faith in God's ability. When you express your faith in God's ability, that unleashes his power in your life. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Jeremiah 32, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Read this last phrase with me. Nothing is too hard for you. God, nothing I have prayed is too hard for you. Nothing I prayed has made you nervous. You're up to it. You're up to the task. You can do it. 
Revelation 5.13, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Our 21 days of prayer are going to start August the 10th. It's a Monday morning, and we're going to offer prayer times here at Rockbrook for all 21 days. We're going to offer two times in the day, 6 o'clock in the morning, 6 a.m., and 6 o'clock in the evening, 6 p.m. I'm going to do the 6 a.m. ones, all of them except two. I've got a prior engagement, so one of the staff is going to take those. And we're going to gather here for an hour of prayer. We'll have about a 10-minute devotional. We'll sing a song together, and then we're just going to march through this outline of prayer. We have another one that's based on the tabernacle that we're going to use as a corporate prayer time. We're going to be praying for you and for your family and your needs and that God would move on your behalf. And I hope you'll, you'll join us. I hope you'll come for some of those. Maybe, you, maybe you'll need to just pick one day out of the week where you can make it and, and make three of them through the 21 days. Or maybe you can make more than that. Whatever you can do, we'd encourage you to jump in and be here. Encourage you to pray every day at home. I hope you'll join us for some of the fasting through that time frame. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about fasting and what it means and how, how that works. And so you'll be prepared to do that. But as you leave today, we, we've got a, a little pray first guidebook that we've put together to help you move through this, uh, this time of prayer. And uh, it's just a great little book. It's got information in here on a lifestyle of prayer. It's got information about the Lord's Prayer, the Tabernacle Prayer. It's got a prayer and scripture devotional in here. It has war- spiritual warfare prayers. It talks about personal prayer targets, how to pray for your family, your needs. And then it's got a little fasting guide in here. And so we hope you'll pick one of those up there back at the, uh, back at the information table. We had those printed up and made here at, a, at the UPS store in town. And, and when we picked them up, the guy said, you know, I've had so many people who come in and seen this, and they've been wanting copies of it. And I've been telling them, no, no, you can't. I'm making these for a customer. You can't have one of these. You want one, go to that church and get them. So uh, evidently it's good stuff. So we hope you'll pick one up and that you'll participate however you can in this 21 days of prayer and fasting. But let's pray together. God, I, I just pray for prayer. I pray that our church grows closer to you during this, this season of prayer. I pray for a revival of prayer in our personal lives in the life of our church. God, we desire a covering of prayer over our church, our families, over our nation. Help us as, as we take this, this next season and we just dedicate it to you through prayer and fasting. Help those who are put off by this, who think, oh, this is too hard, this is too scary. Just, just help them to see how prayer can become the delight of their heart. And I think of that first phrase in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, and I pray for those who are here today who need to connect with you relationally. I pray for those who need to know God. It's the first step in, in the journey of a life that's lived for you. Father, you have promised that to as many as believe on Jesus Christ, you will give them the power to become the children of God. God, let us not live with a spirit of fear as though we're your slaves. Instead, let us live with a spirit of adoption that we have been welcomed into your family through our faith in Christ. If you're here today and and you need to make that decision, I invite you just just to pray this prayer right now to just say, God, I I recognize that, that Jesus Christ came and he lived a perfect life. I believe he died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin, that he absorbed all God's wrath in that moment on the cross. I believe he rose again on the third day to destroy death and to prove 
that he was God. And so I trust in him. I confess my sin. I ask for forgiveness. God, I want to receive your invitation of adoption. Make me a part of your family. Make me your child. God, we thank you that you're faithful to keep your promise to those who call on the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.